Hello, and welcome to Planet Money. My name is Rick Koenig in Sarasota, Florida. I'm just one of your many, many thousands of toxic assets here in uh, Florida. I know they say you can't go home again. I just had to come back one last time. Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Today is Friday, July 23rd, and that was Richard Koenig, an 81-year-old man in Sarasota, Florida, who owes us money. That's right. Today on the podcast, we take our toxic asset on the road on a sort of genealogy tour to trace out her ancestry. We're trying to track down some of those 2,000 homeowners that make toxi who she is today, and find out why they're not paying. Han, I can't believe you broke that guy's kneecaps. He was so sweet. <laughs> That's right. You got to watch out. Jacob Goldstein is here with our Planet Money Indicator. Jacob. Today's Planet Money Indicator, $1.6 billion. I've been reading the news. That has something to do with Wall Street bonuses. It does. It's the amount of compensation that banks and other finance companies paid out that was, quote, ill-advised. And that ill-advised phrase is everywhere today. That's according to Kenneth Feinberg. He's the guy the federal government appointed to oversee compensation for companies that got bailout money from the federal government. So, so that $1.6 billion, it's just referring to payouts in this little window of time. It was about five months. It was back in late 2008, early 2009. And it was this window after a bunch of banks had received federal bailout money, but before there were new rules limiting the compensation that these companies could give their employees. Jacob, what does ill-advised mean? I mean, I can't tell if it's like fighting words or like weasel words. Yeah, it's pretty unsatisfying. I mean, I could also give you, quote, bad judgment. But Ooh. yeah, right. That doesn't that doesn't <laughs> really help. So, so Feinberg had this press conference this morning, and he explicitly said, look, these payments, they were not illegal. They were not contrary to any statutes or regulations. They were just basically bad calls on the part of the banks. How do you look at all these banks and decide which ones were bad calls and which ones weren't? So Feinberg said there were two main criteria to figure that out. One was just how much money were the banks paying people. And people who were making up to half a million dollars a year were essentially under his radar. Were there banks where no one at the bank made more than a half million dollars? Yeah, there were actually a lot. You know, I mean, we hear so much about, oh, bankers making tons of money. So it's, so it's surprising. But as it turns out, there were more than 400 companies that got bailout money, right? But at more than half of them, nobody made more than half a million for the whole year. Feinberg was just focusing on those big ones, really, that we hear so much about, you know, places where people got millions of dollars just in this five-month period. And once he was focusing on those, he was looking at, at the rationale. Why were the people uh, getting paid this money? And he gave a few examples that he, he clearly was pretty skeptical of, you know, paying people bonuses so that they'd be loyal or because they had competitive zeal. So did Feinberg mean ill-advised as in, uh, you're going to have to go to your room, like, I'm going to do something? In short, no. I mean, basically, he says he doesn't have the legal authority to take this money back, right? That's the kind of bottom line question. And, and you know, he points out that all the banks argued to him, look, we had contractual agreements with these people. We were legally obliged to pay them this money. So Feinberg says, okay, you know, this is in the past. He has this idea for the future, which he calls a break provision. And so his idea is basically these banks that paid out all this money, they should create new rules now. And those rules should say, 
if there is a financial crisis, then we can renegotiate our contracts with employees, right? So if they create these rules, his notion is in the future when there's a financial crisis, they won't be able to say, oh, well, we had to do it because we already had the contract. Jacob, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. So on with the show, as regular listeners know, six months ago, we had what now seems like sort of a stupid idea to spend $1,000 of our own money from our personal bank accounts and buy a toxic asset. So the idea was, um, I think it might have been our idea, but <laughs> to, uh, toxic assets Sorry. were you know, the center of the financial crisis. And uh, no one wanted to own them. And so we thought, well, let's buy one. That sounded like a good idea. They're basically very complicated bonds filled with home mortgages. At the time, investors bought them, pension funds bought them, and banks bought them. And in the middle of the crisis, it was so unclear what they were worth. Some of the biggest banks in the world, we weren't sure if they, they were dead or alive. So the way this works is every month people pay their mortgages and we get a payment from the bond from the toxic asset. So the first month we got $332, then $44, $72. Then the next month we got zero. The month after that, zero. And just a few days ago, zero again. So David, we're not making that money back. She could come back. She's, (laughs) come on. All right. So for those of you listeners out there who've been asking, is Toxie dead? What's going on? Basically, as houses get foreclosed on and taken over and sold, the actual bond shrinks. And at some point, we get sort of shrunk out of the bond. And then Toxie is really dead. And it looks like that's going to happen in a couple months. But until then, we have the possibility of still getting checks. But the checks are zero because there is just not enough money coming into the bond from all the people writing their monthly mortgage checks. Yeah, and that's why we wanted to find the homeowners who weren't paying to figure out what was going on. So when we bought Toxie, she came with 300 pages of documentation, basically like an instruction manual, and this spreadsheet. And it's a spreadsheet that lists all the mortgages inside, so 2,000 mortgages. And those are real people, but it doesn't tell you names or anything. It's just loan data. It gives you like loan-to-value ratio, the loan amount, the zip code, the date. It's almost like don't ask any more questions. It was really hard. We had to get the help of an investigative reporter in Sarasota, Florida, who spent a day looking through the homes that were in Florida, and he was able to find nine names, nine precious names. And David, you and I looked up the phone numbers and then sat and and, and stared at the phone for a while, feeling uncomfortable. Okay, so the first person on the list. What are we going to say to them? You're part of our toxic asset. Can we come swim in your pool? <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, let's call. Hi. We got wrong numbers. We left a lot of voicemails for people who didn't call us back. We called this one dentist who didn't call us back, and we left a voicemail for this one very nice-sounding couple. Hi, you've reached Sylvia and Joyce. We can't get to the phone right now, but leave a message, and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Hi, George and Sylvia. This is David Kestenbaum. I'm a reporter with National Public Radio. I'm calling to um, <clears throat> I'm calling to see if you you own sound or nervous. Purchased a house. Well, I was. Th- there's a lot to explain, right? In a voicemail, you have to say, "Oh, I'm a reporter for NPR, which you may not have heard of." And we bought a toxic asset, which, by the way, is a complicated bond, which has mortgages in it, and one of them is yours. And we want to talk to you, and you know. <laughs> Yeah. I know, it was nerve-wracking. So we we both took turns having to be the one to leave the voicemail, and we kept calling, and eventually we reached someone. Hello? Hola, buenas tardes. Se encuentra... Sí, ¿con quién hablo? Sí, yo me llamo Jacob Goldstein. 
Yeah, that's Jacob Goldstein, who just brought you the Planet Money Indicator. He speaks Spanish, and uh, when we got Julio Castillo on the phone, we grabbed Jacob to come do the interview. Está bien grabar esta conversación. Pero dime de qué se trata, cuál es el objetivo y cuál es el fin. Tú no te preocupes, que yo también le estoy grabando. No, no me preocupo. Jacob said on the phone, do you mind if I record our conversation? And he said, no, but do you mind if I also record our conversation? And Jacob says, okay, no, it doesn't bother me. And then he moved on. Jacob made a, a valiant effort to try to explain what the hell we're doing here. entender más sobre the housing boom and bust. Y estamos... Mira, eso lo debieras haber hecho antes de hacer la inversión. Ya después de... This interview lasted for exactly four and a half minutes. Okay, señor. Muchas gracias para su tiempo. Okay, hasta luego. So was he our guy? Yeah, he was our guy. All right. Uh, yes, well, he basically said if we want to learn more, we could talk to his lawyer. <laughs> he didn't want to meet us. There was actually only one homeowner who would meet with us face-to-face, -face, and that was the guy you heard at the beginning of the show, Richard Koenig, who said, sure, come on down. So we flew to Sarasota, rented a car, put his address into our GPS, and went to find him. And he says his house is where? This one? Yellow? It says... 1792. There he is. Hi. Richard, nice to meet you. He's getting his mail. What if there's a statement from the bank in there? So Richard Koenig is 81 years old. He lives in Sarasota, Florida. I just, I just do want to say he has beautiful eyes. Picture beautiful, big eyes. Beautiful, big eyes on a guy who is not paying us. I have to say he did not look like a deadbeat. I don't have horns. <laughs> I don't have much hair. <laughs> Still have a good sense of humor. And he has a dog named Muffin. My baby. I love my baby. I know some dog lovers. I have never met somebody as in love with their dog as Richard is with Muffin. So Richard Koenig took us to the actual house that is in our toxic asset, the one that we've been looking at on this spreadsheet. We got to see it. Oh, it's nice. Very nice. Oh, everything. You cannot believe what was done to this place. I mean... So maybe when you think of toxic asset, you picture rundown homes, falling apart, overgrown lawn, graffiti. That is not this at all. This is a really nice condo on a little pond in a very tidy housing development. He put a lot of work into the house. This is all stuff you did. Yeah. This was a dump. <laughs> it was terrible. This wall, my wife had that Venetian plastered. You know what that cost? What's Venetian plaster? It's where they put one coat, one coat after the other of paint and different shades of paint. It's very expensive. They did this whole area here. It looks nice. And then this was all built, specially built. Richard Koenig told us his that story, was, which is basically, this was a second home. He and his wife bought it because it was smaller than their current house. It was more manageable. And the plan was to fix it up and to move in and to live in it. But then the housing values around here plunged. And he did the calculations and realized he just owed more on this house than it was worth. So he decided he's just going to stay in the house he already lives in. And he's going to walk away from his Venetian plaster. Stop paying his mortgage. Yeah. After he showed us his real live house, we showed Richard Koenig what we brought, 
taxi, the toxic asset paperwork, all 300 pages of it. Um, this is what it looks like. This is where your mortgage ended up. Unbelievable, isn't it? Oh, my God. My eyes couldn't accommodate it. I'm not going to live long enough to go through that pile of <laughs> pile of poop. <laughs> Did you have a picture of us? Of who, yeah, like when you were writing your checks, who you were sending them to. Oh, you mean at the bank? No. No, no to me, banks, uh, unless I know the individual, uh, a bank is a blank face. It's a non-living creature. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. Of course, it wasn't a bank. I mean, he writes his check to a bank, but it's not really going to a bank or a non-living creature. It's going to us. You were writing checks to us. Yeah, but not you personally. And now, had you been the recipients on a personal basis after having met you, I'd write you the check. How's that? And do I feel sorry for the investors? Sure, I do. I mean, it, you know, of course, I feel, you know, I'm, I'm a sensitive person. You know, <laughs> I really am. I love my wife. I love my dog. I love my children and my grandkids. Yeah, I feel badly. You know, we don't hold it against you. Good. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> so let's just pause here. This was one component of the financial crisis. The people lending the money and the people borrowing the money really had no idea who each other was. I mean, whoever bought Toxie at the beginning of this was basically chipping in money to loan Richard Koenig to buy that house. And on paper, in that spreadsheet, Richard Koenig looks like a good bet. I mean, this was the thing that you kept saying, David, is when you look at him in our spreadsheet, he is perfect credit. You know, he looks very responsible. But then when you meet him face to face, he's 81 years old. He's underwater on the house. It's worth a lot less than he owes. He can walk away. And I mean... It'll kill his perfect credit rating, but when you meet him, you can tell he doesn't really need good credit anymore. He's not going to be borrowing money anytime soon, so it actually makes sense for him to just walk away. Was, was that a hard emotional decision to walk away from that, that house? Well, it, yeah, it went against everything that, uh, that I was <laughs> ever taught to believe. You know, you just don't turn your back and say goodbye, good luck. So from that perspective, yes, it did bother me. But if I have to uh, compromise the way I live, I'm really not going to do that. Not at almost 82 years old. I, had, I really had no choice. Well, you did have a choice. You could have kept paying it. I could have kept paying for it? Not really. You know, at my age, to have payments like that, and a large income, no longer a large income, it, it, you know, it didn't, didn't make any sense at all. We spent a long time with Richard Koenig, and I have to say, I mean, it, it, it didn't make any sense to me either that he would keep paying his mortgage despite the fact that that money comes to us. So after we left Richard Koenig's, we spent two days driving around Florida looking for our other houses and our toxic assets. So we would, and there was lots of different kinds. There was big ones, little ones, ones with pools near the beach, ones near the highway. We drove by the house with that sweet couple, George and Sylvia, in the voicemail. Hi, you reached Sylvia and George. We can't get to the phone right now, but leave a message and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Yeah, that was a nice one. It was right down this kind of uh, sandy dirt road among all these trees near the water. Yeah, I think it was my favorite. It felt like such a strange mission showing up at these houses and, and punching random addresses into our GPS to try to find 
places that are are really just randomly connected to one another. Like at some point, some Wall Street guy decided to throw all these houses in the same pile. And this is another reason why these things were so hard to value, why these toxic assets were called toxic. It's not like you're just loaning to some guy with a dog named Muffin or to some nice-sounding couple like George and Sylvia. You're loaning to 2,000 different people. And they're not all the same. No, some are less sympathetic. Some of our homeowners, it turns out, cared less about Venetian plaster and more about making money. This house is in your toxic acid. This is one of ours. Yeah, this is one of yours. That's your house. This is Michael Braga. He's the investigative reporter with the Sarasota Herald Tribune who helped us track these people down. And he said... There's one house in your toxic asset you really should know about. This is nice. Yeah, nice. It's nice. It looks like it's it's for sale. It could be a good bargain for somebody. Oh yeah, it is for sale. I I'm I'm it looks like there's no one here cuz the blinds are all down. Um It's a sort of a Oh wow, they have an ocean view. Yeah, it's a, that's Sarasota Bay and uh pool is a little green, which means that they haven't put chlorine in it, and all the blinds are down. Uh, I can peek inside. Inside, there's some nice white couches and a bar that looks into the kitchen. And uh, Oh, and it looks like a Brady Bunch staircase that leads up to the second floor. There's uh, actually folded laundry on that couch. Someone's living here. Uh-oh. Well, maybe we should leave. Uh, <laughs> The, uh, d- this looks occupied. There's a roll of paper towels on the kitchen counter. Well, maybe uh, it's for sale and occupied by a renter or, or maybe the owner. Uh, in that case, uh, sh- I wonder whether we should be broadcasting. <laughs> so listeners, we should tell you that when we were putting together the radio version of this story, our editor asked, were you guys trespassing? And he actually wanted oh, to right. run this by the right. legal department. Right. And at first I thought, oh, yeah, I guess maybe we could get sued by the owner. <laughs> but then I was like, wait a minute, that's us. We're, I, I think we're the owner or, or we're an owner. We own part of it because we own taxi. And this house is in foreclosure. You own a sliver of this because of your ownership of that toxic acid. We own these fancy arches in the front. You own the, well, yeah, or maybe just that, maybe just that lamp. (laughs) Really? What do you got? A thousand dollars? And the thousand you've invested and then that spread out over 2,000 properties now. And so that's, what, 50 cents? Uh, So you've got 50 cents in this property. So we own, sure you, we own one of the metal numbers that says 3204. Absolutely. You own that 32, maybe the two. <laughs> or maybe the zero. Should we take it now? <laughs> Should we take our number with us? <laughs> I, I wouldn't. So this house is in foreclosure, and it's been in foreclosure for at least a couple of years. We called the person who took out the mortgage a few times. He never called us back. But the reporter, Michael Braga, who brought us here, says he does know something about the owner. The guy's name is Derek Taka. He's a local lawyer and a purple belt jujitsu martial arts fighter, and he owned several properties. Ultimately, Derek Taka ultimately defaulted on five loans, totaling $3.6 million, including the $991,000 loan that is in your toxic asset. So this was not, um, this house here was not 
some retired person's dream home that they saved and managed to get a loan to buy. This was something that was owned by people who owned many other properties, had many other real estate deals. They were they were speculators, investors. Absolutely. Braga helped us find nine homes in our toxic asset, and at least three of the nine, it turns out, were investments. Julio Castillo, the Spanish-speaking guy who told us to talk to his lawyer, that was an investment property. This house was an investment property. Another one we saw, the dentist, he owned it as an investment property. Well, I was thinking about it. That sort of makes sense because at the height of the boom, which is when Taxi was put together, one third of property sales were people taking out investment loans. So three out of nine seems about right. Yeah, and it turns out we might actually need to add one to that list, right? Because when we came home, we found out something about that nice-sounding couple. Hi, you reached Sylvia and George. We can't get to the phone right now, but leave a message and we'll get back to you. Thank you. So George and Sylvia's house is listed in an FBI affidavit that Michael Braga, the reporter, sent me. According to the FBI affidavit, this loan is allegedly fraudulent. A real estate agent who helped do the paperwork for the loan has actually been arrested. No one has been convicted of anything here, but the folks at the Sarasota Herald Tribune have been following this circle of investors who bought and sold properties back and forth amongst themselves and family and friends and maybe lied to banks to get bigger and bigger loans. Eventually, this circle defaulted on $120 million in loans. It's so dramatic. When you found that out, you texted me <laughs> right away. Like, So George and Sylvia Bobka, we should say, they're the parents of Richard Bobka, who is part of that circle or seems to be part of that circle. The Herald Tribune is now reporting that one of the central figures in that crew is is helping the FBI. So we're going to have a podcast next week explaining how all that might have worked. But I think we can say that, remember we had this dream that Toxie was going to be an encyclopedia of the financial crisis? Oh, right. So I forgot. So that seems like that worked out, right? We have the retired guy who's walking away from his mortgage, who's underwater in his mortgage. We have speculators. We have possible fraud. And of course, we should not forget, we have investors who bought the toxic asset like idiots without really knowing what they were getting into. I didn't realize we were going to be playing a role. Yeah, that would be us. We spent $1,000 on Toxie, which at the time seemed like a great deal. I thought we were going to make money, but it looks like we're only going to get half of our money back. You can see pictures of the houses in Toxie that David and I saw in Florida. And you can see a photo of Richard Kerning with his dog, Muffin. And you can see his beautiful eyes. Tell me that man does not have beautiful eyes. That's all on our website, npr.org slash money. We've put all these stories together on a separate page, which is npr.org slash toxic. It has maps and all the documentation for Toxie. And there is the Toxie webcam showing the stack of paper 24 hours, seven days a week. Live video of Toxie in all her glory, npr.org slash toxic. I'm Hanna Jaffe Walt. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Thank you for listening. Won't take nothing but a memory from the house that built me. Mama cut out pictures of houses for years. Bitter homes and garden magazine. Plans were drawn and concrete poured, nail by nail and board by.